heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we are to Friday. Welcome into the Friday edition of Locked on Kings. Tonight, the Sacramento Kings have their first summer league game in Las Vegas. We'll have a recap of their weekend in Vegas when we start our shows next week. But today on the podcast, we're going to zero in on Zach Randolph. We did yesterday on George Hill. Today on Zach Randolph, we got back-to-back interviews coming your way with guys that know Randolph very well. Former coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, Lionel Hollins, will join us and... The current radio play-by-play voice, longtime voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine, to join us as well. And the Friday Mailbag. So busy podcast to get to, so let's jump right to it. We start with the head coach, former head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies in Lionel Hollins. And Lionel, you have coached Zach Randolph. You did a long, long time. Tell us what the Sacramento Kings just acquired in Zach Randolph, what he is like as a player and certainly as a person. Well, I think um, from a personal perspective, Zach has a big heart. He's a lovable teddy bear, but, you know, he has a, a tough exterior, come from a tough environment, and uh, he knows how to survive, and he knows how to take care of himself. On the court, uh, Zach was a relentless competitor. Um, he loved to win. And I think that when you look at where Memphis was before Zach got there, uh, we had a bunch of young guys, and Zach was the kind of guy that, uh, came in and gave us an anchor. He could score, he could make plays, and he also made plays at crunch time and won games for us, which gave us a lot of confidence, gave our young guys confidence. And uh, along with he, uh, uh, Tony Allen, who was the defensive anchor, who was a, uh, the linchpin, linchpin of the defense, and uh, Zach was the linchpin of the offense. And from the time that they got there, we started winning uh, from 27 wins to 40 wins to 46 wins to 50 wins to 56 wins and a place in a conference final. So, uh, you know, without Zach, uh, Memphis may not be where they are as a, as an organization in the city, uh, as a culture and, and, and with the fans and the grid and grind and all that was all created by, uh, Zach and Tony Allen with the rest of the guys, but their work ethic and their, you know, grittiness um, because of their backgrounds was the thing that drove uh, that culture and drove that mantra of grit and grind uh, to the forefront of the of the, of the team and, and gave the team and the organization and the city an identity. Now, Sacramento hasn't been known for that, and that's fine. How much of an impact can he have in that, that veteran part, that toughness, that grit that you're talking about? Can he imprint that on... Scalabissier, Willie Cauley-Stein, Yorgos Papiana, some of the young bigs that the Kings have? Well, the one thing that I know is when they come to practice every day, they better be ready to practice. They better be ready to compete. They better be ready to be physical and tough because that's who Zach Randolph is. And uh, he'll lead by example from that perspective. Whether I don't know whether he's going to start or come off the bench, but I know that Zach brings it every day. And, um, and he... Uh, if you go against him, you better be ready to bring it as well. So 
that from that perspective, I think that those guys will learn. You know what's great about him? It's not easy to do this in the league, and you would know better than I as a player and as a coach, but once you get a label, a lot of times that sticks with you. And he was with Portland. That was an image maybe that he probably didn't want to keep, but I feel like he did a great job of shedding that and becoming a professional and, and a respected player and still the tough image that's out there. Do you agree with that, that he kind of shed that image maybe that was out there early in his career on him? Well, when there's a lot of young players that come in this league and make mistakes. And uh, I think that, you know, people tend to not let go of mistakes uh, for certain players. And Zach was one of those players. But when he came to Memphis, uh, he showed his heart off the court. He did great things in the community with uh, families, uh, buying, uh, uh, having big shopping sprees for kids, uh, paying light bills for uh, full families. And uh, this was passing out turkeys, all the stuff that he did in the community, as well as what he did on the, on the court. And, uh, you know, there was, there was no, no troubles in Memphis and he established himself in the community as a top flight citizen. And, uh, he's grown up. I mean, uh, you know, we all, when we're young have issues at some point, whether they're small issues or major issues or issues that are highly publicized in, in, in athletes case, we all have issues that we overcome as we grow and mature. What's amazing for him on the court, and maybe fans take this for granted, but to get a double-double on a nightly basis just consistently, it's not easy. And he's just such a great rebounder. Obviously, he's got the gift to score. How comforting it was was it for you to know that you could put him in the lineup, and whether it was 18 and 10, 20 and 16, those numbers were there every night, and that's not easy. How comforting was it just to know that you are going to get that from Zach every night? Well, that, that, that's what I spoke about earlier is that his competitiveness and his toughness and his will to win uh, and, and, and just to go out there and compete night in and night out with consistency is what took the team to another level because they had confidence, and it gives you know, the coach confidence to know that we have a go-to player. And we have, we can, anybody else can get us to a point, but we know Zach's going to be the guy that's going to bring it home. And the players know that Zach is going to bring us home from a, from an offensive perspective. And I think that that's something that, that uh, is very comforting and builds confidence in all the people that are around. And that's why, uh, you know, great players make their teammates better. Sometimes it's just their example and their toughness and their, uh, the way they play and execute, which gives everybody else confidence to go out there and, and believe that we can win the game because all we have to do is keep it close and then throw the ball to Zach. Hmm. All right, last thing for you, Lionel, and I appreciate your time. What is this version now the Kings are getting? I know last year he came off the bench but still was productive. They get to the playoffs, they ask him to do even more, and he's productive. He's near the end of his career but not all the way there yet. What, what version are they getting nowadays, kind of near the twilight here of his career? Well, I think they're getting a, a more wily. Zach, he's, you know, improved his skill set uh, tremendously. He's a very good passer out of double teams. Uh, he passes, period, when guys cut to clear space for him. Uh, he, he knows that he doesn't have to shoot the ball every time he touches it. And uh, just a threat and uh, putting a fear in the guys. And, uh, you know, he's a wiser player now. And uh, he still can go out there, and, and he averaged 14-something in, 
and uh, eight rebounds last year coming off the bench playing 24 minutes. I think he was the most efficient player, at least on the team, but he was a highly efficient player uh, 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 from a league-wide perspective. And, uh, you know, obviously nobody stays at the same level, but what you want to do is whatever level you're at, you want to be consistent at that level. And I think Zach will give them consistency. And it was a, a big-time move by the Kings, a big-time move by Dave Yeager and recommending that they should go after him. And um, with where the Kings go, I don't know, but they'll be elevated just because he's on a team and uh, what he provides uh, from his leading by example and his work ethic. Uh, I think that those other players will learn and, and understand what it takes to be a professional, what it takes to bring it every day, and what it takes to compete. Yeah, I think all these things are going to be good for this team, for this community. I know they'll be excited. They don't have to face them anymore, that's for sure. Lionel, thank you so much for the time. And uh, Kings fans, I know we're excited to, to get Zach Randolph. I know you enjoyed coaching him, so thank you again for the time. Jason, my pleasure, and I wish uh, Zach and the Kings good luck. All right, now we catch up with the radio voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. He knows all about Zach Randolph. So, Eric Hasseltine, what do the Kings have in Zebo? What did they just get in this new free agent signing? Well, you know, he what you got was the heart and soul of Memphis, to be honest with you, Jason. Um, people around the league aren't going to realize how badly he's going to be missed here, both on and off the court. And it really was, you know, a tale of two careers for Zach Randolph. The time before Memphis where he had a bad reputation, uh, both on and off the court, and, you know, on the court maybe as a uh, kind of a black hole off the court. He was into some things that, um, you don't want your best players to be into, you know, maybe some trouble followed him around and not through all his fault, but certainly, um, he made some mistakes and that happens when you're young and, you know, fresh into the league, he got a fresh start in Memphis and he made the most of it. Now as a player, this is a guy that last year was put to the bench by, uh, David Fisdale, but asked to be very productive in that role as the leader of the second unit. And he responded with, you know, over 14 points and right around eight rebounds his shooting percentage at the end of the year, I think, fell off just a little bit because teams basically just started double and triple teaming him when he was out there uh, without Marcus Gasol. And so when you're the lone guy, it is tough to score. Um, but for a lot of the year, he hovered around 47, 48, 49%. He finished right around 44, 45. But um, a guy that when he squares you up, it, it's amazing to me. And I watched his games for eight years. I never missed one of them how this guy that at 6'9", that can't jump over a phone book, you would think, can lean back and consistently knock down shots over guys and still has a, a quick enough first step where if he jab steps, guys have to respect it. So um, he can still score the basketball. And when he's on the block, it is a, it's a nightmare for defenders. It's like wrestling a bear, as Nick Collison once said. So, um, you know, we're going to miss him. Um, and certainly uh, his his presence will help those young bigs that Sacramento has has stockpiled now. Um, and with a great big man coach like Bob Thornton and Zach Randolph to help these guys learn some of the intricacies, it, it's, it's going to be interesting for me from afar to watch because we saw what uh, Memphis, you know, Memphis area high school product. He's not a native because he's from Haiti, but Scala Vissier did. And we knew all about Scott all through high school. And to think that, you know, as, as much better as Willie Cauley-Stein got and if Papa Giannis can be better, you know, Zach can really help these young guys be 
become a very formidable front court, I think. Yeah, and you know it as well as I do, Eric. There are fake tough guys in the league, but Zach Randolph doesn't <laughs> fall into that. And, like, I don't know. I've been afraid of him, and, I, you know, just watching him, he's intimidating. How, how authentic is that toughness that he provides? Um, it, it's beyond authentic. Uh, Zach has had some of the most memorable quotes hmm. in – the Grizzlies history, uh, basically in, in radio interviews. Um, he was talking about an incident with Kendrick Perkins. that was on national TV and basically Kendrick Perkins was trying to physically intimidate Mark Gasol and gave him a couple of cheap shots. And Gasol had gotten into it with Perkins a little bit. Perkins gave him a hard foul. Um, and it's all over YouTube. So anybody wants to go see it. Uh, basically they were John at the free throw line while Mark was shooting and, said all right i'll meet you in the tunnel and, and perkins is like all right i'll meet you out by the bus and zach looked at him and said i will beat your ass <laughs> just straight up into a microphone and that's when the referees jumped in and, and kicked them both out of the game to which they both ran back to the to the tunnel and there was more interest in what was going to happen behind the scenes than what was happening on the court um he told a story of how him and his brother you know they basically grew up in a very tough part of of Indiana, Marion, Indiana, and, and said that he can uh, he can use his hands. He's a jacking dude, uh, as he put it. And uh, as he said after the Perkins incident, you know, he said people know that we come from the Bluff City, and that's the nickname for Memphis, the Bluff City. He says, but we don't bluff, and that became hmm. a moniker of this team. So his toughness is very real. But with that said, his compassion and his caring, and the way he's matured is also very real. You know, this is a guy that the first year the Grizzlies made it in this seven-year playoff run. Um, I will never forget this, and I, I, it's not that I don't forgive Rick Riley for writing it. I just thought it was a little short-sighted because he hadn't really paid attention to what happened um, in that year and in the two years Zach had been in Memphis and the way it changed. But he said there's no way I could pick a team that is led by Zach Randolph who has an extra punk chromosome, hmm. which I said on my radio show, well, was it that extra punk chromosome that, that put $20,000 towards people's light and heating bills in the middle of winter when it was below freezing here? Uh, and those people would not have had power and would not have had heat. Uh, or was it the extra punk chromosome that gave 100 kids a Christmas uh, shopping spree at Walmart that they wouldn't have had? Or was it the 250 families that he gave Thanksgiving dinner baskets to? And that's what he did the first two years he was here. And he continued to do that. He was up for the Community Assist of the Year Award this year, along with Mike Conley. It was one of the first times that, that I remember a team ever having two guys nominated, and both deservedly so. So to see him change that way, um, as tough as he was and is, um, there's a different side to him, too, I think, fatherhood um, and being in a city that accepted him for who he was. And let's be honest, Memphis is a tough city. Memphis is a city that has uh, a lot of people that have a lot of money. Yes. You know, you have FedEx here, you have uh, AutoZone, you have international paper, but there's a lot more people that have very little money that are very blue collar that work, you know, 10 hour days and, and do it for, you know, a, a lot less than, the people that can afford to buy tickets to, to NBA basketball games, but they love this team and Zach relates to those people. So the, the toughness is real. I mean, there was a season where with Zach Randolph, Tony Allen and, and James Johnson, who the Kings had for a hot minute um, on our squad, we had three of the five toughest guys in the league. And I, I would say you, you can come in for a fight, but <laughs> you think you're going to, 
you think you're going to intimidate this team, you're out of your mind. And it, it just, it really took uh, the city to a different level of fandom. And, you know, it's crazy because every city can identify to different things. It's not like the Grizzlies fans wouldn't love a team like the Kings had in the late 90s, early 2000s that played hair on fire up and down basketball, and they were going to beat you 118 to 1, you know, 13 or 108, whatever it was, because they were so good they'd beat you by double digits. But they were going to outscore you. They weren't going to outdefend you. They weren't just going to always out-execute you. And they, the, the Memphis fans would love that. That's the way Memphis Tiger college basketball was under John Calipari for a while. But they took to the identity of this grit and grind. We're going to beat you up. We're going to be physical. We're going to play defense style. And so, you know, Zach really appealed to them in that manner, and there was no better fit. And, and you think about it, Jason. They got Zach Randolph by trading Darko Milicic, who had just proven that it wasn't going to work out. And Mark Gasol was waiting in the wings. So they traded Darko to Minnesota for Quentin Richardson, who they subsequently traded to the Clippers for Zach Randolph because they were willing to take his money. And in the end, what they got was one of the franchises, if not the best, one of the best players ever to put on a Grizzly uniform. Hmm. Last thing for you, Eric. Um, Zach Randolph and Coach Yeager, who you know very well, reunited. And I'm sure Yeager, who last year spoke so highly of all his time in Memphis and loved Conley and Gasol and Randolph, I know he has got to be thrilled that he's reunited, and I'm sure you know Randolph's probably excited to be back with his coach too. Yeah, it's a guy that knows him. You know, with any coach-player relationship, there are, there are some tenuous times when you're with a guy that long. Um, you're going to have some moments where where you know coaches and players don't always agree. You, you know as well as as I do um, that this is it's a giant family. And, you know, down to the trainers and. PR staff and broadcasters, you know, we're kind of like the the fourth cousin that shows up for a free hamburger at the (laughs) family reunion, but you know, can't blame us for that because the Eaton's probably pretty good, but um, it's a family. And so there were some times where it was interesting because, you know, Dave, I should call him coach Yeager, but I still think Mm -hmm. of him as my buddy Dave at times, but coach Yeager at at times, um, you know, wanted to try to transition and see, if there couldn't be a different look to this team, if they couldn't try to change things up a little bit, not necessarily reinvent themselves, but see if they could do things a little bit differently. And quite honestly, it didn't work. And to Coach Yeager's credit, he realized that very quickly. Well, one of those moves was not starting Zach Randolph. And he realized very quickly at that time that was not the right move. Now, that's a move that David Fisdale made and stuck to. It was a move that Dave Yeager made and decided this is not what's best for this team. And I think to his credit, and one of the things his players have always respected about him here, and I I haven't really had a chance to talk to the Kings players, Coach Yeager is not afraid to try something, and if he is wrong, stand up and say, hey, you know what, I was wrong. He is not that guy that thinks he has mastered the game of basketball to the point where everything he says and tries is 100% the way it should be done, and there is no questioning. He is always open to hearing different things, and so – I think this is a move that, you know, when I I heard about it, I was sad because, you know, I I will miss seeing Zach on our second bus. And, uh, you know, it was something where uh, we were on a road trip. Just a little side anecdote here. We were on a road trip in Toronto, and I walked into Starbucks, and there was Zach. And we were cutting it close for the bus. Now, they're not going to leave Zach Randolph, but they're sure as hell going to leave me. Right. 
Um, and so I looked at him and I said, yo, dude, we have got to go. And I am not taking the heat if you're late because I will, but I really don't want to. But it was hard to get through the fans that were there, as you can imagine. So what I just basically said to Zach and at the time, Mike Miller, who was with us, I said, hey, look, you guys can't get in and out of there. I can just tell me what you guys want and I'll go get it. And so I became like the coffee runner, but mm-hmm. n- not through anything other than just wanting to help those guys. Sure. And the reason I did it was on a road trip. Mike Miller once gave his coffee to Zach and he goes, you got to keep the big man happy. And I said, that is a great point. And mm-hmm. so I will make sure I take care of both of you guys. And you know, they were, they were cool about it and appreciative. It wasn't like they expected it. They were always very cool. So I'll miss that. I'll yeah. miss seeing them walk on the bus and giving them coffee and, talking to him about his kids and him asking me about my family. Um, I'll miss seeing some of his very bizarre sweaters that he wore, one that had a <laughs> giant lion face on it. I can tell you that I don't know if he still has it or not. I think I advised him to burn it the minute I saw it, but I'll miss the laugh and the, the chuckle and um, the smile that with a guy that size that will you know, light up a room. But I was happy for him, too, because he still has basketball left and he still has game left to give. Unfortunately, this is the nature of this business where you have to make a decision. Do you just stick with what you've done for eight years and pay a guy X amount of dollars um, that really you can't quite afford, but you, you, you can try to find a way to do it, but just to be in the same place, or do you try to move in a different direction? And so, at some point you have to make that choice. I know the fans here aren't happy about it, um, but I think the fans in Sacramento will respect the, the toughness and, and the effort that he brings forth. And um, listen, he's uh, he's a guy, you're, I'll be honest with you, you're not going to get great one-on-one interviews because he's kind of a, a quiet, kind of subdued guy. He's kind of trained himself to not speak too much or say too much or, or too little. Um, but if you get to know him without a microphone, and when you see him interact with people, the, the community is going to love him and, and the fans are going to love him too. Yeah, well, we look forward to it. I, we've always enjoyed watching him play. Now he's a king, and I know Kings fans will fall in love with him quickly. Eric, thank you for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, let me ask you before we go about that, how frustrating was it to watch this guy that can't jump, lean back, and knock down these fadeaway 17-footers oh. that have the touch of, of, you know, like Chris Mullen? That's what always and – and, and I know I know you got to go, but – that's one thing I'll tell you guys to watch for. Watch how soft mm-hmm. that touch is. Like when he shoots the ball, I mean, they call it a feathery touch in the game. He's got it. Yeah, He's got it. And you see a guy that size and that strong and that forceful down low, but that can lean back and shoot with that kind of touch, that's a special player. And I hope you know his past doesn't prevent him from getting some accolades down the road because when you stack up his career numbers when it's all said and done, He's very possibly going to be right around 20,000 points and, um, you know, and, and near 10,000 rebounds. Uh, he's in, he's up in, in the realm of where there's a lot of guys that are in Springfield. And yep. I don't know that he's a for sure Hall of Famer, but his numbers warrant some consideration. So hopefully he'll be able to continue that. Sack. Yeah, well said, Eric. Thank you again, and we'll uh, see you soon. Jay Ross, always a pleasure, my friend. Well, back-to-back interviews there from Lionel Hollins and Eric Hasseltine, an amazing perspective that they have on Zach Randolph. Kings fans, I think you will be excited about what Zebo will bring to this team. Let's get to the Friday mailbag. Hey, Jason, I have two questions for you. This is from Kevin. First one is, I have heard a couple of interviews that Scott Perry is very liked around the NBA and that one day should be a GM. I have nothing against Vlade, and I think he has done a great job. 
getting good people around him. Do you see a scenario where Vlade becomes the president of basketball operations and Perry slides into the full-time GM role? That way the Kings can keep what they have going right now with less chance of Perry leaving. Well, that question I think is a possibility. I think Vlade still is the one overseeing everything, and that could still be the same scenario. But I love what I hear people say about Scott Perry, the amount of respect they have for him, the ability to uh, kind of – develop relationships is certainly a strength of his and he's done a great job with that so yeah i like that idea and i hope that's something that could happen or just keep scott perry happy here in whatever role he's in a second question is what is Peja's role with the kings uh Peja basically is in charge of the reno team but he's he's another voice another sounding board another guy that vlade trusts and and another basketball mind so a, a lesser role than what ken catanella or vlade or scott perry have but still treated very importantly is around the team all the time and just a, and a friend obviously of Vlade Divac but someone that he's using to use his basketball knowledge as well so uh, his full role though is is general manager of the Reno Bighorns team but again m- more around the Kings than he is the Reno team thank you and love the podcast my favorite thing is when you transition to interviews you make it seem like you're in a group setting and they are all there most notably during your mock drafts and player evaluation thanks again that's Kevin in Arkansas well thank you Kevin for that and for the kind words and for listening uh, faithfully whether it's the radio show or certainly the podcast so thank you so much David also very faithful on Twitter asks how should SAC proceed with the last roster spot there they have available I believe they need a small forward who do you like well I agree with you that they need a small forward David Here's a couple of names of guys that are left, at least as the moment of recording, that I like. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich, who's in Washington. So keep an eye on him, especially if Porter gets matched. Maybe uh, there's a chance to, to grab him. Uh, Tabo Sevalosha, I think, is another guy that kind of fits what the Kings are trying to do. A veteran uh, would, would be able to play, good defensive, play, defensive player. C.J. Miles, I think you could get at a good rate. Uh, you still could entertain possible trades from other teams, whether it's a Jay Crowder or Mo Harkless or small forwards that maybe other teams are trying to move. Um, I'm going to say it again, Rudy Gay. I think it's someone that, especially now as the market's thinning a little bit, maybe is someone you can land. And then someone out of the small forward spot. I know they were apparently talking to JaVale McGee, which I don't love that opportunity, but one big that I don't necessarily think they need, but I still think has been undervalued a little bit in the NBA, and that's Willie Reed, who's still a free agent that's bounced around a little bit in the NBA, was with the Kings before. Um, kind of summer camp type stuff. But I think Willie Reed is a guy that still hasn't hit his ceiling that I'd explore. It's not a need. It'll almost be a little excess, but someone I would definitely look at as well. All right, last one from our mailbag comes from Steve. Steve says, hi, Jay Ross. So my Clipper fan buddy and I have been talking all off season about lots of moves around the league, and I'm a little surprised at how differently we view one thing in particular, Marquise Chris versus Scow. I see the talent slash athleticism Chris has, but I was not all impressed by his shot selection and decision-making on the court when the Kings played the Suns last year. He reminds me a lot of Dante Green, but with more on-court attitude. My buddy thinks Chris is vastly superior player and that the Kings made a huge mistake sending him to Phoenix. To me, Scal looks like a player with a similar ceiling and maybe a better chance of still being in the league in seven years from now. My buddy sees peak Scal as a rotational player at best who struggles to see the floor due to his soft mentality. I'm not a Homer fanboy, but I'll admit 90% of the basketball I watch is the Kings games. He watches the entire league all season. Am I just way off in thinking Scal and Chris have similar ceilings? Thanks. That's Steve. Uh, that's a great question and debate. I don't know that I can give you a um, you know, a, a confirmed answer. It's certainly opinion. I, I see what you see, Steve, in Marquise Chris. In you, the, the athletic ability jumps off the screen or the court. You can just tell. But 
I, I did question some of his decision-making on the court, but I, I really have to give him the benefit of the doubt. He got to play a lot more than Scal did, and I don't know what he's going to look like in year two and in year three and in year four. So I do believe they both have a pretty good ceiling, and I get to watch Scal more than I do Marquise Chris. But I think Scal is, I, when he says he's questioned his soft mentality, I know that's something John Calipari got after him a little bit. I, I see a guy that, that wants to be good and is feisty, but is a nice guy. But I think he can have a toughness streak in him, and I think it's there uh, that he can call upon when need be. And I really do think Scal's ceiling is pretty high, but I just don't know which way he's going to go. I know I commented on the podcast last season during the season that I could see him thinning out even more and trying to work on quickness and being a three that becomes a handful with ball handling ability or bulk up a little bit more and be a four slash five that becomes a problem for teams. So I just don't know which route he's going to go. I think he's got the ability to go either way there. And I think his, his all around game can really blossom into something spectacular if it all works. But I, I think it's too early to make a full decision on either Scal or Chris on, on what their ceilings might be. But I think both organizations, Phoenix or Sacramento, should be excited about what they have in those two guys because they do have some pretty high potential. So good question. I know I didn't give you a firm answer there. I, I don't know it. I don't know the answer to that, but I, I, I like what the Kings have in Scal. Let's just put it that way. So, Steve, thank you so much. Thank you to ex-coach uh, of the Memphis Grizzlies, Lionel Hollins, current voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine, for joining us. Thank you for a great week of shows here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Find us each and every day, Monday through Friday, here on Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, or iTunes. We're back again next week for more shows. So have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.